As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Abbots suddenly finds himself in a fair bit of room and he waltzes through and that is five. That's why they are riding high, because they can take you apart just like that. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. Hello, I'm Ian Stone. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Well, the Arsenal continued their rather splendid start to 2024 with a fifth win in a row, smashing Burnley 5-0 at Turf Moor. Uh, to reflect on that game and also talk about Arsenal's victory in the WSL, I'm joined by Adrian Clark and Jay Harris. Morning. 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 Nice to see you guys. <laughs> there was a tweet that I just want to talk about. Arsenal Ofka, who uh, I follow on Twitter, uh, big Arsenal fan, um, did a tweet the other day saying, what on earth did the Arsenal squad get up to in Dubai, right? What on earth happened? Because essentially they went away to Dubai and it was all a bit, oh, we're not, we're not happy, everyone's a bit tired. And they've come back and they've scored 21 goals and they've only let in two. Jay, what did they get up to in Dubai? Stupid answers only, by the way. <laughs> we're, we know what they got up to. They went to um, Salt Bay's restaurant and before I always um, poured a little bit of scorn and on his little uh, hand gestures with the salt. But now I'm thinking, do you know what? Maybe if I'm ever feeling down in my life, that's what I need to do. I need to pay an absurd amount of money for some thin slices of steak. But the, it looks like the rewards are, are, are well worth it. I have to say, by the way, that that steak does come off the bone very easily. I mean, whatever you... <laughs> it does. I mean, it, you know, I'm sure it's very nice. Whether it's worth the extortion amount of money uh, people pay for it, I don't know. And obviously, none of us felt happy about Mikel Arteta being fed meat by Salt Bay, I have to say, but <laughs> it seems to have worked. Adrian, was it Salt Bay that did it? <laughs> it might have been. Um, I got a feeling it might. they might have just looked in the sort of cupboard and dug out that that creatine powder from back in the day, from early, early Arsene Wenger days, 1997. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I never got I never got on it, so to speak. I didn't quite make the cut in terms of the, the group that were sort of put on the, the supplements, but geez, within a within a couple of months those guys those same players were running faster, they were stronger, they were much fitter, and a nightmare to play against in those sort of eleven v eleven training games. So yeah. 
uh, I reckon they've found some of that in the at the back of the cupboard, and and they've yeah, absolutely flying since. You ever had creatine, Jay? I mean, I, I've never, I've never, I was going to say I've never done it, but that sounds no. a bit suspect. But I've never had, I've never had creatine. How many have you done? I've done one tablet of creatine. Thank I can't, you. I can't say I have. My the extent of my performance enhancing, um, trying to think what the right word is, tests or experiences extends to one of those boost bars, which is like full of protein or whatever. That, that that's as far as I've experimented. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah. they definitely make you run faster. Those. Yeah. An innocent smoothie, I think I could go for. Yeah. I mean, it was um, all above board. I just want to make that clear. Of course, um, it was all above board. Uh, yeah, Adrian, the, that's right. It was, yes, it was, it was seriously, board. it must have been good shit because those players were, honestly, physically, the, the improvement was pretty rapid. I and mean, I, I was very jealous. Well, and, and obviously the same thing has happened in Dubai. I mean, look, in all seriousness, it seems that they've just had a rest and a little reset, haven't they? They've just, uh, you know, going out. Listen, we talked about this the other week, the restorative effect of a little holiday. And that seems to have been the thing. I, I quite like the idea. I saw a picture of Bukayo Saka lying on sort of lounge cushions at this at this club in the middle of it. Basically, there's a promontory, I think it was. Promont- I don't know if that's the word, promontory. Um, and it goes out into the sea and there's a club at the end of it. And uh, I went there when I went to Dubai and it's a very nice spot and I think and I think that they uh, obviously just got themselves together whatever they've done something's clicked something's worked uh, as I said 21 goals scored two conceded they've scored five plus goals in three Premier League games in 2024 which is one more than in the entirety of 2023 we're only at February the 19th as we're recording Saturday Burnley nil Arsenal five we put six past uh, West Ham. So, you know, obviously the rot's setting in. We're going down by one every weekend. <laughs> Jay, so in sync. Everything seems to be working. Is this... We're all moaning at the start of the season about how things didn't seem to work. We've got a couple of new people in there. We've got Declan Rice in there. We've got Kai Havertz. We've got a few other new faces. It just takes time, doesn't it, to to get things flowing. Maybe this is it was it was always going to be this way, and and uh, and it's finally clicked into gear, and it and and absolutely the right time. Yeah, definitely. I think we all spent the first half of the season kind of um, moaning between each other, saying oh, we've not quite hit the levels of of last season yet. And so I think when we had those back to back defeats over New Year, there was a little bit of a a fear that, okay, maybe they'll never come. Maybe this is a new, more controlled Arsenal and some of the excitement that we had last season we're we're maybe not going to experience on the same level. But I just had a quick look at something while we were talking about what the squad got up to in Dubai. And David Ray actually joined after the first game of the season. So three clean sheets in five games. If he's had an opportunity out in Dubai, which I'm sure he has, to just build on some of those relationships with some of the defenders a little bit more. That helps massively. The same with um, Rice and Habits that you mentioned, just being able to go away and, and work on some tiny details. And all, also just the camaraderie, I think, that going away with with your friends and colleagues brings sometimes, I think is a nice refresher for some of these players. But certainly the way the team have played in the last few weeks, and of course, it's up against a Burnley team that's not got a great defence and a West Ham that's just in absolute free fall at the moment. But I think what's really encouraging is just the the variety of people that are scoring. We're back up to kind of what we saw last season where everybody's chipping in with goals. It's not one person. And so I think the confidence levels are just absolutely skyrocketed at the moment. Obviously, the Liverpool win was the the, the big one that's really kind of changed the, the feeling about what's going to happen in the in the final few months of the season. But I think we're just in a fantastic place at the moment. 
Adrian, this this thing that Jane mentioned about relationships, I mean, we talk about relationships on the pitch. I remember being with Lee Dixon on this podcast a few years ago, and he was talking about a relationship between the holding midfield player and the two centre-backs and how important that is, that little triangle. But relationships happen all over the pitch, and maybe in Dubai they had a chance to, to solidify those a little bit. Hundred percent, yeah, of course. You, you become friendly with each other, but you also they also would have also spent quality time on the training pitch, working on things they maybe hadn't got time to work on in between matches. It can be very, really hectic, and you you're talking tactics and you're nursing players through knocks and whatnot when the games are back to back to back. Just having that little bit of breathing space, just to think about strategies moving forward. What can we do different and better in the second half of the season? And one of those things it looks like to me is let's play without a centre forward. Let's well let's let's stick Trossard up there if if Gabby isn't available, and let him go and do whatever he likes really in terms of positions, and we'll fill that centre forward spot with someone else because the last two games that's worked so well, so well. Well. It's Kai Havertz and Leandro Trossard are the two players who would probably fill that position. Kai Havertz was involved in all five goals, scored one and was involved in the other four. He won 12 duels, twice as many as anyone else. And as for Leandro Trossard, four goals in four games. Jay, I mean, he has to start, doesn't he, at the moment? Or is it more fluid than that? Would Mikel Arteta basically see it in a different way? I mean, I wouldn't be in the least bit shocked if Gabriel Jesus trots out on on uh, Wednesday against Porto. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. But like you said, when when Trossard's scoring the goals that he has, I mean, I think, I don't know if it's four and four or four and five, but either way, it's more than he'd managed in the, the 19 or 20 appearances he'd, he'd made before that. And just when... Like you said, the fluidity is building, the relationships are building. When you're seeing Havertz link up with Trossard, Saka Odegaard, whoever it is, with such fluidity, I think I was so impressed by by his goal against Burnley as well, just because firstly, the run and then the confidence to not make the player and slot it back past Trafford on his near side just shows a level of, of confidence that maybe he's been missing at other times this season. Um, certainly the finish against Liverpool springs to mind. So if you're seeing Trossard, Havertz, Odegaard, they're all bringing the best out of each other. Just kind of keep that going. But of course, different teams present different problems. So I, yeah. I think Arteta will just decide, you know, if Jesus is better against Porto, then Jesus will start. If Trossard's better against Porto, then Trossard will start. But I think the fact that we're even having this conversation about should we drop someone who scored four goals in five games is is, is not a bad one to be having. <laughs> we, we dropped our man of the match from the, from the Liverpool game, didn't we? Jorginho. Jorginho, yeah, yes. So that, go, that, yes. that tells me that Arteta... Just judges it game by game. Yeah. Um, in, I, I don't want to go on about Kai Havertz, uh, Adrian, <laughs> but is there a is there a, a little element of what the hell do we know? There was a lot of noise about Kai Havertz earlier in the season. What have we spent 65 million quid for? Arsenal have blown it in the sense they, they spent the money they could have spent on a striker on Kai Havertz. But he is... He's an interesting footballer. Is there a case of just trusting the manager right now? Because he's obviously, he seems to know what he's doing. <laughs> he definitely does know what he's doing. I mean, just, have you seen the team lately? Um, he definitely knows what, we, what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. you can't put a label on Kai Havertz. I mean, we were, we were largely supportive. I think we were mildly critical, saying that we expected more. And I think that that was fair comment at the time. But none of us on this podcast wrote him off. I think you just can't pin him down to one position. I don't I don't think he's any 
of of the of the above. Really, he's not a striker. He's not a ten. He's not really an eight. He, he's somewhere in between all of them. And and Arteta, I think knew that all along, and has, has just tried to find a formula that suits. But what I loved about Havertz in the game was just the positions he took up. He got, I think, for one of the goals, he won an aerial duel in midfield, and then he joined in. That was the Trossard goal. He joined in, got into the box, had half a shot, and then it falls to Trossard. But he's making things happen through getting himself into the right areas. What about the off the ball stuff, Adrian? Because I've read a few people talking about his his runs off the ball and the space that he makes. Well, yeah, he, he makes more runs pretty much than anyone else. Uh, last season, I think he made the second most uh, off the ball runs in the whole division for Chelsea, which, you know, when you look at his body language, you just wouldn't expect that. But he's always moving. Uh, he does a lot of defending as well. I think he, he closes down well and, and tracks back. He wins the aerial duels, of course. We know that. I think he won eight of 10 at the weekend. Yeah. And what sometimes happens is he, he'll, he'll just f- uh, flip it around with Trossard and go and stand up front and then we'll just go long to him and he'll nod it down to Trossard. He'll play it out wide. I mean, there's a nice variety about his game and he, he gives us an element of unpredictability, I think, that compared to, to certain players because I don't think opponents really know what to do with him, you know. Who's marking no. him? <laughs> you know? No. And he's also hard to mark because he's because he's such a, a unit. So, yeah, I, I, I like what I'm seeing at the minute. Really good. Yeah, I think we, I think we all do. Let's talk about the captain, Martin Erdegaard. Uh, Jay, I mean, there's not many players I've watched that have given me as much pleasure as watching Martin Erdegaard when he's feeling good and when his feet are working right and he just finds passes and and finds positions and it's just a beautiful thing to to uh, to behold. It is. I'm going to be annoying and just quickly go back on, on mm-hmm. habits briefly um, because, oh, because <laughs> Adrian touched upon something and he said about um, being a number eight because that was the kind of expectation that we all had in the summer. We all spoke about okay, Arteta's vision is he's going to replace Xhaka in that left-sided number eight role. But that was for that current iteration of this Arsenal team. This Arsenal team now is completely different to the one that we saw last season. So maybe Arteta was looking forward and looking at the evolution of the team and we were too transfixed on what are Arsenal in this exact moment. And like Adrian said, the, the beauty with Havertz is he can do so many different things and he gives us that degree of unpredictability. And it's maybe just taken us a while to get used to a player who will start as a false nine one week and then maybe as a left-sided eight the next week. But on Odegaard, I didn't quite realise it was his first goal in, I, th- I can't remember the exact number off the top of my head. 12, like, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, 12, which is it, quite a long spell, especially when you consider how good he was in front of goal last season. That first touch, by the way, I mean, people didn't really talk enough <laughs> about that first. It was a lovely ball from Martinelli and he was looking for him and he found him with the outside of his foot. But that first touch to give himself the chance and then he buried it and it's a lovely picture from behind when you can see Ben White's arms go up in the air when he sees it go in and it's a beautiful shot isn't it and when the captain's playing like that yeah it's an amazing shot and like you said I actually thought Martinelli's pass was deflected originally so when I saw the replay and it was fully intended I thought it was magical but we know how good we know how good of a player Odegaard is very similarly to you I think he's so sensational to watch, very unique in the way he can manipulate a ball. And so when he's firing, when he's full of confidence and he just sets the tone, and I think even with his celebration, he was kind of taking um, a little bit of of a mick take out of somebody, wasn't he? I can't remember what it was exactly, but I remember thinking that's clearly a... Celebration police, I believe. Yeah, it was clearly a dig of the celebration police. And and I like things like that. And and even Saka saying after the game that he he wanted to score a hat-trick and then he said, don't worry, it's coming. I think sometimes they're... 
there may be sides of the Arsenal players we don't always see. I like that. You know, they, they obviously hear about what's been spoken about them on social media and things like that. So I quite like it when, when Odegaard and Saka kind of show that they're aware of that and, and they're not bothered by it. Yeah, I, I got up early to, this morning to write a piece. Um, a bit behind um, for Talksport, so it's, it's in in homage to Martin Edegard. So yeah, look out for it this week on on their website. I mean, the more I got into writing the piece, the more I was thinking, what a signing this guy is. I mean, he he is he's a perfect player, you know, in terms of what he gives you without the ball, what he gives you with the leadership, and then obviously the quality on the ball. No one has um, produced more chances or made more chances in open play than than Martin in the Premier League this season. He's made five more through balls than any other player in the Premier League this season. And I think in terms of chances created, he's only 10 off of what he achieved in the entirety of last season, which is effectively three. Wow. He's effectively three games, you know, the, the rate he's going, three or four games. So he is on fire. He yeah. is flames at the minute. He's been the best player on the pitch the last two games, hasn't he? I mean, he really has. And it's it's a pleasure Absolutely. to watch him. Mm-hmm. The other player, Jay, that you mentioned, Bukayo Saka, it's now Bukayo's most prolific season. It's only February, by the way. Uh, 15 goals, 12 assists. I mean, we don't take him for granted, Jay. We really don't. We've talked about We've talked about Bukayo on this podcast for the last three or four years with, with a growing sense of wonderment. But he now looks, I mean, he said it in the interview after the game on Match of the Day, how much fun it was. When Bukayo's having fun and playing like that, I mean, he's a nightmare for, for defenders, isn't he? I mean, it's, it's six goals in, in five Premier League games this year and he'd only scored six in the, the 19 appearances in the first half of the season. So that shows you the amount of confidence he's in. And I think something I'm guilty of, of thinking, and, and I don't know if others feel the same, is that always get wrapped up thinking that he's very predominantly left-footed. So when he suddenly produces a finish like he did with his right foot, you forget, actually, this this guy can actually do it all. On that subject, I think there were a few times last year where I remember him doing a similar move and the ball squirting off his right foot a little bit into the crowd a couple of times. Whereas recently, it just feels like his confidence is completely back. And, and you know, maybe that's what he was doing in Dubai when he wasn't on the, the sun lounges. Maybe he, maybe he was practicing that <laughs> shot. But obviously, that, that's a key thing for a forward to kind of have that unpredictability and that versatility because every, you know, fullback that comes up against Bakaya Saka is going to be told, show him outside on his right foot, show him outside on his right foot. So if every now and then he can pull off a finish like that, it make, makes a huge difference. So when he's playing in the way that he is, he is personally like my favourite Arsenal player I just think he's he's such a joy to watch he just brings such happiness such joy such enthusiasm and you know even with the penalty you know he still squeezed it through even though Trafford went the right way when you're full of confidence those things kind of just that that luck falls in your favour right Adrian I mean in terms of a winger obviously a position that you played to be two-footed it makes such a difference as Jay was saying I mean I, I, I there was a lovely moment when he hit that shot for the third goal and the defender just stood there and thought well what am I meant to do I've, <laughs> I've played him onto his outside and he's buried it in the top corner in the one spot he got one against Everton there last year as well at home I think I mean he is almost unplayable when he's in that sort of mood isn't he yeah definitely yeah definitely it, it makes a hell of a difference you've got to keep fullbacks guessing and yeah I luckily I worked on my right foot quite quite extensively sort of through my teenage years through to you know throughout my professional career so that it was not it was never as good as my left but it wasn't far off and 
and I did it because I wanted to go both ways. I played both wings and I needed to go on the inside and needed to go on the outside. Because if you become predictable, fullbacks just show you there and they deal with you. So um, you've got to uh, put a doubt in their mind. And that goal now instantly puts a doubt in the mind of the Porto left back. And, you know, next weekend, Newcastle, Dan Byrne, if selected, he's now thinking, oh, which way is he going to go? I thought he was just going to keep coming on the inside, but but now you don't know. So, and Martinelli did that last year. He worked on his left. I remember him scoring a goal at Brighton, um, similar similar style. And um, it, yeah, it's, it's a tool you've got to have, in my opinion, as a, as a winger. And I was, yeah, it's, it's one of my favourite Saka goals for that reason, because it was so emphatic. And it was like, <laughs> you want to show him on the outside, do you? This is what happens. Um, and he made it look really easy. Yeah, I mean, I just think there's been two weeks in a row now. One when he cut inside and buried one past the Areolo, didn't even bother diving. <laughs> and then this week, Trafford had to go, but it, it really hit it hard. Also, by the way, a lovely great angle from that one from behind, from uh, sort of almost inside the goal as it hits the net. Since the start of last season, he has 44 Premier League goal involvements, uh, level with Ollie Watkins, who's obviously having a storming season, and only beaten by Mo Salah and Erling Haaland. <laughs> decent company to be in and by the way seeing Erling Haaland with his sulky face is giving me a lot of pleasure at the moment <laughs> I don't think I'm the only one long may that continue this is Handbrake Off the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic this episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra the official beer sponsor of the NBA want to get closer to the game than ever before Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. get a handbrake off and you can see that they are more free to play. 
Ian Stone, Jay Harris and Adrian Clark here on the Athletics Arsenal podcast handbrake off. The Arsenal women had a tremendous result. Arsenal 3, May United 1 at the Emirates in front of a record crowd in the WSL. Adrian, you were there. We didn't start that well, did we? Really, but then May United gave us some goals and uh, we would never really look back. <laughs> yeah, no, it was good. Yeah, to my daughter, and then we did the show straight after for the Burnley game. So it was a great day, you know. We sat and watched that, and and then 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 got to analyse the Burnley match. So it was yeah, it was a cracking day. Yeah, and then Man United were on the front foot at the start. And we looked a bit shaky. Kadina at the back was sort of brought in from nowhere with Leah Williamson obviously crying off with an injury um, just before, which is a real shame. She had to pull out of the England squad. But yeah, and a lot of people, myself included, looked at the starting 11 and thought, what? No, no Russo. No, unless you're Russo. Yeah, no Russo. And it was was a little bit random in terms of the team selection, I thought anyway, but it worked. And, Credit to Jonas Adeval. They were pretty good on the counters and the transitions. Arsenal, they sort of let United come at them and then they went bang, um, released Black Stenius and and they got in behind. I thought Leah Valti was outstanding. She's a really good player. Righty was uh, Righty was uh, on social media. Praising oh, was he? I didn't her. see that. Yeah, yeah, he was praising her. Yeah, I haven't sort of. It was one of those, you know, you're sitting there watching it with your daughter. You, I, I'm not sitting there scrutinising the game like I maybe would normally, and. Just got that sense that everything she did was was polished, you know, in terms of she wins the ball effortlessly and her decision making with the ball was really, really good. So, yeah, impressed with her. I thought Lotta Wubamoy was really good as well at the back. Nice and strong. So, yeah, look, it was a much needed win. Eases the pressure on the manager and, and all of a sudden... The, the the women's team are, are in the mix with City beating Chelsea. So they're only three points behind both. Got Chelsea to play at the bridge. Got City to play as well. Got City got to play as well. We got to go away well. at City, I believe. Yeah, so like, you it's, know, it's underdogs. On. Underdogs, but it's on. And and I, st- I stand by what I've said before. I look at the Arsenal squad and I, I wouldn't swap it for Chelsea's or City. So I kind of think we should win the league. But, you know, we'll, we'll see whether that happens. Jay, I mean, they have given themselves a bit to do, haven't they, uh, the women? But they're, they're, they're in the mix now, aren't they? Yeah, like Adrian said, that win was huge because if Manchester United had won, they would have gone level with with Arsenal in the table for that third and final um, Champions League spot. So to kind of be seven points ahead of them now and win in the end pretty convincingly. I know there were some quite. I know the second goal in particular, Lacasse's was was quite comedic. <laughs> but obviously they only they only scored in what the ninety sixth minute of the game or whatever. So really it was a, a stellar performance from from front to back. And obviously slightly worrying that that Man City are kind of on this charge of winning. I think they've won five or so games in a row at the moment. But it's just good that Chelsea's confidence has been dented and and it just means that things are just shaping up nicely like you said underdogs but when you consider some of the injuries we've dealt with over the last year to even be within three points at the top at this stage of the season I'm sure if I'd have been offered that at the start he would have taken it that's what we had to do we had to grind through those difficult months when you know Miedema and Mead weren't available and now everything's slowly coming together just when it needs to these are exciting times for the men and the women uh, the men by the way uh, take on uh, Porto Champions League knockout games, the first knockout game in seven years away uh, to Porto. Jay, uh, are you at a suitable level of excitement for this? I mean, I, I mean, I'm I'm already thinking, oh yeah, this is a tasty tie, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, growing up, the Champions League. I was actually having this conversation with somebody recently, but those Champions League nights. 
especially when I was maybe nine or 10, oh, mum, please let me stay up to, um, <laughs> to to watch the second half. It was just something so special about it. So that that seven-year period where it's not been at the Emirates has been has been difficult at times. So to kind of have it back, I'm super excited. I'm sure when I hear that anthem, and I'm thinking, wow, we're actually in the, the last 16. And no disrespect to Porto, but the final few years of the Arsene Wenger reign, when we were in the Champions League, we were always drawing Bayern Munich, Barcelona, somebody horrible, which meant you were excited, but there was a little bit of nervousness attached to those games there's 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 obviously still a little bit of nervousness attached to it but it's excitable nervous now we could and should really be be beating Porto and progressing to the quarterfinals and and once you get to to that stage of a knockout competition anything can happen so no I'm super excited and Bayern Munich of course are struggling yeah, you know they lost again at the weekend maybe we should have got Bayern Munich instead actually <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of time no but it's one of the I mean we talked about the fact that Adrian at the start of this year that we were fourth favourites uh, for this competition I know it's a slightly weird thing because there are three there were three teams were seen as outstanding uh, mm. which is Man City Real Madrid and Bayern Munich and then it was the rest and we were we were uh, next in that line but does it feel a little bit like things are falling into place or is it too early to talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's too early, but we're still we're still there. I think we're still considered four favourites. I think the City and Real Madrid are the two sort of outstanding candidates to win it, but we've beaten City already this season, you know, in the Community Shield as well. So you've beaten them twice effectively. So I don't think we should be scared of anyone. Yeah, I agree with Jay. I think we should go through over the two legs. It's about fast starts with Arsenal at the moment, isn't it? I was looking into this. I mean, we have scored away from home this season in all competitions. We've scored first in 14 of 18 matches. That's that's seriously impressive. That's not our home. That's a away game. Yeah, it's impressive. We're first in seven of our last eight. And in the Champions League, I think we scored more first half goals than any other team in the group phase. 12 goals before half time. So... I'm hoping that we come up with that fast start again. We take wrestle control from the kickoff, quiet in the crowd, score, and then and then control the game from from there. That's that would be the aim aim of the game. And the way that we're performing, if we maintain the levels and if Porto don't play above themselves, then we could give ourselves a, a cushion. The the way that we're performing because Porto are good, but then they're not great. They're third in in the Portuguese league. They've scored a lot less goals than Benfica and Sporting Lisbon, so they don't have the same threat as those two teams do. So I, I think it's a really winnable tie. But this is the Champions League, and if we're off it, like we were at Fulham, for example, we'll get beat. You know that that that's the jeopardy of it, isn't it? So, but yeah, ho- hopefully it's a continuation of what we've seen lately. And Fantastic. players and players coming back. There are reports that uh, Tommy should return to the squad. Uh, Jesus Zinchenko, potentially even Thomas Partey in contention. Jay, this is the time to get your injured players back. I mean, there was talk about having almost a full squad aside from Urian Timber by the end of February. I mean, this would be absolutely perfect, wouldn't it? Yeah, it'd be amazing. I must say, I won't believe Thomas Partey is actually fit until I see him back on a, <laughs> yeah, on yeah, a football pitch. It feels, it feels like there's been a lot of full storms. Um, but yeah, obviously that's massive. Like we said earlier, Trossard and Georgina in particular have really come to the fore over the last few games and, and contributed massively but who wouldn't want you know Zinchenko Tomiyasu Jesus back um, makes a massive difference just being able to to have those extra options off the bench or, or starting on the pitch and if we did have a fully fit squad apart from Timber by the end of February 
which is actually only a week away, it which is. seems very yeah. strange to say. Yeah. It just puts us in a great position for the rest of the season. Going slightly off topic, I realised that yesterday was one year since we beat Aston Villa 4-2. And the feeling is very different in terms of where we are as a team and where we are in the league, It's less course. frantic, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Much, much less frantic, which I think is actually a good thing. At the time, we were all living in this this bubble of being at the top and it was amazing. And But I remember James McNicholas wrote a piece that, that maybe we were a bit too emotional as a side. Everything was always dramatic and last minute. Everything feels a lot calmer now. And I just thought, I wonder if what's happening with uh, Klopp at Liverpool and with the Manchester United takeover, those being massive headlines, is also taking away some of the um, noise around Arsenal at the moment and if that will will slightly benefit us because we're not going to be the biggest talking point every week. The biggest talking point every week is, oh, this is going to be Klopp's final visit to the Emirates. It's going to be Klopp's final visit to the Etihad or, or to the bridge. And this whole narrative about is he going to, you know, kind of pip pep to the title in, in his final season or is he going to fall short to Arteta or Guardiola? I, th- I think that actually quite helps us that we're not the, the big talking point that we were this time a year ago. I think that's a fair point, actually, uh, Adrian. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, we were, everyone was talking about us. We were top of the league and it was great and everything. But uh, this year, they're, they're having a little dig at us about the celebrations, but, you know, who gives <laughs> yeah, a shit? But it, it, other it was than about that, us blowing it last year, wasn't it? It was like, oh, you're going to blow, you know, are they going to blow it? Are they going to blow it you should win it you know you should win it and it, it all the eyes were on us all the pressure was on us and we did make heavy weather of a lot of games and and it was all a little bit over dramatic at times and I, I said earlier on in the season when we weren't that good I think we're a better team because I do we got better we got different players you know we've got Declan Rice for goodness sake I mean he, he is <laughs> better you know significantly better than what we what we had last year so yeah, it's coming together nicely. And I agree. I think there's a lot of talk about, about Liverpool with Klopp's announcement. There's a lot of talk about United. Um, City, no one really cares about anyway, do they? Not really. Uh, no. Because, <laughs> you know, it's boring, isn't it? But I, 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 do, I do get the sense that we'd actually be quite popular winners this time around. You know, it would be quite, um, would almost be the neutral's choice to spoil it for Klopp <laughs> and 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 to, to do the league a favour by stopping City winning it again. So, yeah, I'm happy with the position we're in. That is for sure. Yeah, and performance level, if the performance levels are maintained, we're banging the mix. We are banging the mix. Yeah. Um, one other thing about those players coming back, I was, you know, Tommy Asu, Jesus, Zinchenko, Thomas Partey, Adrian... That is some experience coming back into the team, isn't it? And that can count a lot at this time of year. Big guys, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, yeah, it's just just being able to rest and rotate a little bit more because you need to when the Champions League comes around. I thought White was great, by the way, again at the weekend, um, coming into midfield a bit more to win the ball and to keep it. But Timber, to put a little bit of pressure on him is great. You know, Tommy Asu, who's going to play left back? Kivio's been excellent. You know, he took that quick throw, our third goal from a quick throw this season and and was solid. But you've got Zinni coming back and Tommy Asu. So all of a sudden, Arteta's got some got some good choices, hasn't he, to, to make. And, and, we've, and we've now got two or three ways of playing. We've got this Trossard-Havertz axis, We've got the the Rice and Jorginho big game double pivot mode, and we've also got Gabby Jesus to sort of do what we did last season. So it's I don't think opponents will read us 
as no. much in the coming months as they did towards the back end of last season when we were predictable. Teams had worked us out. I don't think they get us at the moment, which is great. No, well, long may that continue. Let's have a song to finish. Uh, Jay, you haven't been on for a while. Have you got a song for us? Of course I have. Good I've got um, by the American hip-hop duo Lunis, because obviously, or Lunis, I'm not fully sure how you pronounce it. Uh, I got five on it, a bit of a hip-hop classic. <laughs> Nice, I'm liking it. What you got, Adrian? Uh, I was sticking through my phone. There's a tune from my Ministry of Sound album from back in the day. Um, <laughs> Todd Terry, something's going on. You'll all know it. Yeah, something's going on in a minute. Yeah. It's good. Quite. I, I believe <laughs> I've been in the ministry dancing to that very tune. <laughs> <laughs> I've gone for um, I've got one. Uh, it's, it's an old it's a song from years ago called One Two Three by Len Barry, a soul classic. It's so easy, like taking candy from a baby. It is at the moment, isn't it? Really. <laughs> I know, anyone who's not an Arsenal fan, the smugness is off the scale, but why not? Why not? 21 goals for two against. Let's just enjoy it while it lasts. That's it for this edition of Handbrake Off. Go and enjoy your weeks. Thanks to Jay Harris. Thanks to Adrian Clark. Thanks to Jay, our producer. And thank you for listening. See you soon. ta